Life Christian Centre is a church located in the city of Adelaide. It is made up of people from different backgrounds and walks of life who have been transformed through a relationship with Jesus Christ. For more information, visit us online at www.life-church.com.au If you have your Bibles, please turn with me to John, John chapter 12 and verse 27. It's good to see people coming back to church. Isn't it great to be in church, to be able to just worship the Lord and to glorify God? God is a good God. Amen. John chapter 12, and I'm reading from verse 27. Just one scripture that I want to read, and it's the words of Jesus. And the reason why I know that, because it's in red. That helps me a lot. Uh, And it says, now my soul is troubled within me. And what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. No, but it was for this very reason that I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. But no, it was for this very reason I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Let's pray together. Father, I just thank you for your word. Your word is powerful. Your word has the power to... Speak it deeply into our hearts and lives. And that's my prayer for today. That this word is not just going to be another word, but it's going to be a word that's going to shift us closer to you and closer to who you want us to be. Bind every spirit of fear and intimidation, God. I just pray for freedom this morning to speak the word of God, to be able to hear the word. Let there be nothing in me that, deliver, that uh, impedes this word in any way, Father. Speak to us individually. Let us hear your voice in the midst of all the words. Let us hear the voice of the Holy Spirit, I pray. Let there be freedom, I pray. A sense of expectation, knowing that you're going to do something in our lives today. That that, um, we're going to get an understanding today that's going to change our lives and our destiny. And this is our prayer, and we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. I want to begin a new series this morning entitled, For This Reason. Uh, For This Reason. And one of the things that we believe as Christians is we believe that we're not here by accident. Can I hear an amen? We believe that God has a purpose for our life. He hasn't created us just to exist. He has a purpose uh, for our lives. Paul, in speaking to the Ephesian church, said, Therefore I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you. I'm reading out of the New Living Translation. He says, I beg you to live a life worthy of your calling, for you have been called by God. I just love the way he adds that in there. Paul is saying to the church, I plead with you, says another translation. He's pleading with the church. He's speaking to the church in Ephesus and he's saying to them, I plead with you. I beg you. I beseech you. That's for the King James Version people here. To live a life worthy of your calling. Can't wait till the masks are gone so I can see your faces. And in case there's any misunderstanding, Paul adds, for you have been called by God. You know, there might be some people saying, well, live a life worthy of your calling. Yeah, but I'm not sure that I'm called by God. And Paul knew that there were people in, 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 in the church in Ephesus who were kind of asking those kind of questions. But then he adds, for you have been called by God. Deep inside all of us is a sense that there's more to life than just existing, paying the bills, eating food, and even pursuing success. 
Like at a certain age when you're a bit, oh, I've got to be successful. But, but there's a sense deep inside all of us that says, you know what, I'm, I'm really not sure that's going to deliver what I would like it to deliver. Success, climbing that ladder. And, and, you know, a lot of people talk about, you know, they climbed the ladder and then they found that the ladder was leading on the wrong wall. You know, it was leading on another wall. There's a sense that we were created for something that was that 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 would that something more, something that has eternal consequences. What that is exactly, we're not sure. But but deep down, there's a there's a sense that that's true. There's a sense there's got to be more to life than just living and existing. Key verse for the series is the words of Jesus that we just read. He says, "Now my soul is troubled, and what shall I say?" Father, save me from this hour. No, but it was for this very reason that I came to this hour. Jesus is about to face the cross, and it's like he's having this discussion with, with himself or getting some insight into, into the process of his thinking. And he says, my soul is troubled. If anyone's troubled here today, it's encouraging to know that Jesus' soul was troubled. And he's... So I'm kind of saying, I don't want to go to the cross. If there's a way out, and you know, in another, in another one of the gospels, Jesus actually says, if it's possible, take this cup from me. He says the reasoning in Jesus' mind. He's going, if there's another way, uh, uh, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd like to take that way. But then he says, but no, it was for this very reason that I came to this hour. It was for this, everybody say, for this reason. reason. One more time, for this reason. reason. It was for this very reason that I came to die on the cross. Jesus was clear about his purpose. And I just wonder, do we have that kind of clarity about our own lives? Do we have our own for this reason? I have come. So my prayer in this series is that you would get a greater understanding of God's call for your life, that there would be a revelation in your heart and my heart that we're not just here to exist. No, we're not just here to go through the motions, that we are called by God, that God has a as a plan and a purpose for our lives. I could give you a ton of scriptures that talk about that. I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Plans to prosper you. There's a plan. God has a plan. We are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared. You know, that's Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, a scripture worth memorizing. We are the workmanship of God for purpose, for a reason. And my prayer is that, that we would get a revelation of the call of God on our lives. Know what it means to be called by God. That you would understand the process even in discovering what the calling and and, and the purpose of your life and that there would be a a greater sense of call on who you are. And, you know, calling is, is, I'm going to talk about this in just a few moments, but, but, you know, uh, my my prayer is that we would would get a, a greater sense of calling on our lives. That we would walk and, and, and not necessarily, you know, change the way we live, but that there would be a, 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 a change on the inside in relation to where we live. Some people think, oh, Pastor Joe, if I start praying about purpose and calling, then, you know, God is going to tell me to be a missionary somewhere. So I don't want to pray that prayer, you know what I mean? Because I'm a little bit scared. 
He's going to ask me to do something, go somewhere I don't want to go. First of all, if God is going to ask you to do something, he's going to give you, I'm going to talk about that this morning, he's going to give you a desire to do. God will never ask you to do something that you don't want to do. He'll give you a desire for it. He'll give you a passion for it. And that's not what I'm talking about at all. What I'm praying is that there'll be a perspective change where we step into the calling of God. And, you know, as I was thinking about this yesterday, it's really just a step into the calling of God. You see, you can, you can be a, a mum, for example, that, you know, that's trying to keep home and you're cooking and, 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 and just wanting to make sure that there's a, there's a, there's a nice home atmosphere and, and you can have a, you know, oh, I've got to do this, I've got to do that, I've got to, you may be working as well and, and you know, and, and we've just got to create a home and, and, and that's great, and that's nothing wrong with it, any of that and we, we could just go through the, the motions of that or we can understand that this could be our calling. And if we, we get a revelation of the fact that this becomes a call, then we start to change. The view of our children starts to change. I'm not just feeding my children. I'm creating someone who could be used by God in a powerful way. That's the calling of God. I start to think I'm called by God to, to pray for my children, not just to feed my children or, or to make sure that they've got a safe home, which, by the way, is, is, is a great calling in and of itself. But it goes beyond that. I start to pray for them. Pray, oh God, use them for your glory. Oh God, do something with their life. We step into the call of God for our lives. And, and as we do that, it changes the way we work. It changes the things that we do. We're suddenly doing something with purpose. Something that, 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 you know, that, 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 that has a reason behind it. You might be an employee and you might be in an industry, whatever that is. You might be in a building industry or in an office or whatever that might be that it is you do. You have a job description. They gave it to you when you took the job. And you know, people are in a job and they've got their job description and they're fulfilling whatever that job description actually says, which is great. That's one thing. But you know, we can, we can work wherever it is that we're working with a sense of calling on our lives. It's not only the job that we're called to do. Yes, we're going to do the job. We're going to work as if working for the Lord. We're going to look at that in this series. We're going to do the best that we can. But suddenly we do it with a sense of call on our lives. And if we have a sense of calling, we work into that. We walk into that, into that job or into that setting with different eyes and with a different mindset. I'm here by divine appointment. I'm here because God has a plan and a purpose for my life. I've said before, I've worked in so many different areas in so many different places. And, and one of the things that's alarmed me, one of the things that, well, it's excited me and, and just, just, uh, just been amazing is that wherever I go, there's usually a Christian in that setting. There's usually someone who loves God in that setting. And I say, God, you're amazing. You're amazing how you work. That, that, that there's someone here who's actually, you know, who's actually standing up for Christ and being an example of Jesus Christ, even in this kind of setting. So we can go through the job description, you know, did I do everything that I need to do? Well, that's great and, and that's fine and nothing wrong with that. And it's fantastic to be an honorable worker. But hey, we could step into the call of God for our lives, start to see our job as a calling. And when we do that, it changes our whole perspective. Suddenly we go to work and we're excited. Who knows what God is going to do today? And, you know, as we start to think with a calling mindset, it changes the way we approach things. It changes the way we see people. 
You know, we, we start to see the person in, 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 you know, in, in, in the corner there, whatever, and they look a bit down and discouraged. And, and, you know, where we would normally just walk past them, we suddenly go up and just, and just sit with them and just begin to talk and not necessarily say, you know, turn or burn and give your life to... No, we, we just sit with them and be the hands and feet of Jesus Christ. Sense of course. That's my prayer for you today. It's my prayer that we would, we would step into the... It's a mindset change. That there would be a, a mindset, a shift in what it is that we're doing. And, and we would step into the call of God on our lives. And all of this brings us to ask a very simple question. How do we discover our purpose, our calling? So over the next three weeks, we're going to look at this. And I want to share a few principles that I pray will speak to all of us today... I want to speak about the first principle, which is know yourself. In order to answer the question, what am I called to do? One of the things that helps us understand the call of God is to look at how God has wired us up. God doesn't give someone a bad voice and say, you're called to be a singer. Can I hear an amen? Doesn't matter what you think, you know. God doesn't give someone a passion for the orderly and then say, go and work with teenagers. Oh. <laughs> so uh, discovering our purpose, it's a bit like doing a jigsaw puzzle. Um, my older sister does jigsaw puzzles. I don't know if she's here in this service. She's probably the next one. She does 6,000-piece jigsaw puzzles. <laughs> 6,000. I love doing jigsaw puzzles too. Um, how many people love doing jigsaw puzzles here? Can you put your hand up? Yeah, these are the intelligent ones. God bless you. <laughs> Last one that my sister did, 6,000 piece, and finished the picture. And in the middle of it, it said, you need to get out more. That's what it said. (laughs) Jigsaw puzzle, no one piece of a jigsaw puzzle is the complete picture. It's only when you put the pieces together, then, then the whole picture begins to emerge. So today, what I want to give you is eight pieces of the jigsaw puzzle that will help you understand, give you some insight into the call of God of your life. Now, these pieces are not exhaustive, but there's probably a lot more, but it's going to be a good start. Before I do that, let me give you some uh, four myths about finding your calling. I want to debunk four myths about finding your calling. Uh, The first myth is, uh, uh, in relation to calling, is that people think it's about what you do, that calling is about what you do. When it comes to calling, most of us see it as a destination. Most of us think, I need to know if I'm a pastor, tradie, doctor. And and certainly it may be some of that. And certainly it does include some of that in our lives. It is about a destination or what God wants us to do. But calling is more about who you are than what you do. Patrick Morley says this. I would simply suggest that we cannot accurately answer the question, what is the purpose of my life, until we have correctly answered the question, who is the purpose of my life? It's about who before what. And the more we become like Christ, the more our purpose becomes clearer. One of the books I want to recommend today uh, for you to read, it's, it's, a, it's a book, it's an old book, but a fantastic book. Um, it's it's uh, called, What Color Is My Parachute? Um, and it's about discovering how God has wired you up. It's written by a guy called Richard Bowles, who is actually a, a Christian. He's a committed Christian. And in fact, you read the book. It's uh, you know, ultimately written as a secular book uh, to a secular market. But in the end, uh, he has a section that talks about how to discover your calling. This is what he says. 
And he talks about that from a Christian perspective. It's purely Christian. He says, we think that God is going to lead us to the top of a mountain, show us a city in the background. And he says, and he's going to say to us, Joe, that is your mission to take that city. That's what we think. That's, that's the picture that we have in our minds. That when we're going we're gonna to pursue the call of God in our lives, that when we're going to ask God to, you know, to use us in a powerful way, he's going to lead us to the top of a mountain and he's going to say, there's your city. That's what you're called to do. Go off and do it. He says, actually, what happens is when we decide, say, God, call, use me. God, do something with my life. Actually, what happens is he leads us to the bottom of a valley where it's dark and, and, uh, uh, and, and you can't see your way ahead. And he takes us by the hand and he says, um, take one step at a time. Take one step at a time. Let me lead you to the calling that's on your life. He leads us to the bottom of a valley where we can't see what's happening around us. And he says, um, take me by the hand and take one step at a time and I will lead you to your calling. Why? Because calling is more about who we are than, what, than it is about what we do. Because it's not so much about the destination, it's about what's happening in our hearts and in our lives. We're going to look at that a little more deeply next week. And it's as we follow, as we listen to hear the, the voice of the Holy Spirit, and, 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 and as God says, take the next step, and as we obey that next step, we get closer to the call of God. That's on our lives. Psalm 23 says, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because you are with me. If we're going to pursue the call of God on our lives, we need to get a revelation that God is with us, that he's walking with us. Second myth is you need to find your calling. You need to find your calling. There's a sense that your calling is hidden somewhere and you need to, you need to find it. You know, It's like doing Wordle. You've got to solve the problem. Any people just still doing Wordle? I've given up. It's crazy. I started doing Italian Wordle. You're not going to believe it. I started doing Italian Wordle. Anyway, don't worry about it. Uh, if Wordle is about like, you know, solving the puzzle, some of us approach uh, the call of God like, I've got to solve this puzzle. It's a hide and seek. Like God is playing, okay, we're going to play hide and seek. I'm going to count to 20 and then, uh, you know, you're going to find me. And we, we, we think that that's what the calling of God is like. Listen carefully. You don't find your calling. Your calling finds you. You don't find your calling your calling finds you. Moses was not in the desert looking for his calling. He's 40 years, I'm looking for my calling. What are you doing, Moses? I'm looking for my calling. It's got to be here somewhere. At the right time, God appears to him. When, when Moses was ready to step into the call of God, when Moses' character was ready to step into the call of God, God appears to him in a burning bush and says, you're going to lead my people out of Israel. You don't find your calling your calling finds you. Third myth is the call of God is a mystery. Once I find out the call of God, then I can start to really make a difference. Um, you know, when I think about myself, I, 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 I might be called to lead this church. That's a reality. But more than that, I'm called to be a husband. No ambiguity about that. I'm called to be a dad. I'm called to be a friend. I'm called to be a, I'm called to be a follower of Jesus Christ, a disciple of Jesus Christ. Nothing mysterious about any of that at all. What's required is obedience. 
Oh, Pastor John, I don't know what my calling is. Well, just, just stop. And th- you're called to be a, a, a Christian. You might not be married, but if you are, you're called to be a husband, a wife. You're called to be a, a dad if you've got kids. You're called to be a friend. You're called to be a Christian. And there's a whole lot of stuff attached to all of those things there. It's not some kind of mystery that I, that I have to kind of solve. There it is. All we need to do is act in obedience. What God is asking us to do. Fourth myth is the call of, of God is something big. You know, that people have this concept that, you know, pursuing the call of God, it's going to be something really big. Do you know? We have been so brainwashed by the world that we're always looking for success, whatever that looks like. Listen carefully. The call of God is more about obedience than bigness, success, or influence. In fact, my definition, or what I think is the definition of spiritual success, it's obedience to the will of God. It's obedience to God. That's what success is for me. Now, for some, it may be something big. For some people, it may be something that has, you know, prominence and influence and so on. But for others, it might just simply be, go and talk to one Samaritan woman who's there on her own. For some people, it might be going to, the, going to Samaria, into the city where the crowds are. But for some other people, it might just be, go and talk to this one person. Because that's the will of God for our lives. And as, as we obey the prompting of the Holy Spirit, God, God uses us in a powerful way. You know, I, I often think that, you know, everybody wants to be, I've talked about this before, everyone wants to be Winston Churchill. We will fight on the beaches. We will fight on the landing strip. We will fight in the river. We will. And, and it's true. Winston Churchill was an amazing guy, amazing leader for a particular time, in a particular setting, in a particular situation. And, and, and I believe God used him in a powerful way in that particular moment. All of us want to be Winston Churchill. But no one wants to be the person who actually fights on the landing strips and, and flies those aeroplanes and, and, and lands in the water and so on and so on. How many soldiers lost their lives fighting on the landing strips and, 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 and so on? And we will never surrender. How many, how, many, how many soldiers lost their lives because they never surrendered? We don't know their names. But who's the real hero in that story? Who's the, hero, who's the real hero in that story? Who are the real heroes in the kingdom of God? We think it's the prominent people and God, thank God for, for, for those kind of people and the, and the ministries that they have and so on. But who are the real giants in the kingdom of God? I think one day in heaven, we're going we're gonna to meet some people who did some extraordinary things that we didn't even know who they were, didn't write any books, never invited to a conference, and yet they were used by God in a powerful way. Having said all of that, with the rest of the time that I've got, I want to speak about the first principle about discovering your calling, and that is to know yourself. You need, now, normally I would work this right at the end of a, of a series. I would speak about this last, but actually I want to bring it right to the, to the front, and then we're going, to, we're going to work a little bit different over the next couple of weeks. I want to give you eight pieces of a jigsaw puzzle. This is a real easy jigsaw puzzle that reveal... You're calling. It's pretty practical information here today. So you're gonna, I pray you're going to learn something, a little bit of inspiration, but it's quite practical. And some of these principles we actually te- teach in our uh, Connect course. So if you'd like to know some of this more deeply, then just enroll in the Connect course and, and we'll do some of this stuff with you. So the first piece of the puzzle is passion. You know, what is your passion? What am I passionate about? 
Um, some people are passionate about working with people, others about organising, leading, passionate about teaching, children, youth, current affairs, politics, science. Pe people have different passions. A passion is defined as a strong and barely controllable emotion, a state of outbursts of strong emotion, an intense desire or enthusiasm for something is how the dictionary defines passion. Passion also speaks about suffering. One of the things that reveals our passion is what makes you suffer, what makes you feel pain, what makes you get angry. What, 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 when you see this, it actually stirs some anger in you. That kind of reveals something about our passions. So when you come to church, there's some things that, uh, that you see that maybe are not done well. And when you, when you see it, um, you know, you, you, you start, no, oh, I think that could be done better. So whatever it is that you see, it may give you some insight into your passions. Apart from the preaching, okay, if it's not the pre you're not happy with the preaching, don't, don't go there. But the, the, the rest, of it, if you, it's, 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 you know, often when I go into a church, and I don't know, I've, this is even way before I was a pastor, I'd go into church and I'd be watching everything. I'd be, I'd be watching, you know, the musicians and how they operate on stage and, and what's happening down. I, I, it's just the way I'm wired up. I'm watching, I'm looking at the building, how, 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 how all of that happens and so on and so on. Whatever you see may give you some insight into your passion. Solomon was passionate about the temple. It's just some powerful scriptures there about Solomon. He says, the temple I'm going to build will be great because our God is greater than all other gods. He was passionate about, about, the, the, um, about the temple. And, and when the queen of Ethiopia, I think it was, she went to see this temple, she was just awestruck by what she saw at the temple. Now, there are no right or wrong passions. They are, they, they are given by God. This is a good passion. This is a bad passion. Our passions are given by God. And the closer you get to God, listen carefully, the closer you get to God, the more you will become in tune with your passions. The more, the more you're, the more you're in, in tune with God, the more those passions will actually come to the surface. You'll get a greater understanding of what those passions actually are. My favorite question to ask people that reveals passion is, what would you do for God if you knew you wouldn't fail? It's one of the questions I like to explore. What would you do for God if you knew you wouldn't fail? Now, people would answer that question in a completely different way. Some people would say, I'd start a business. If I knew I was never going to fail, what would I do for God? I'd start a business. I'd start a business that would be successful, draw the funds and use the funds to help the poor or bless the kingdom of God or so. What would you do for God if you knew you wouldn't fail? Some people would say, I'd go into the third world. I'd be a missionary. I'd go into the third, third world. Some people would say, well, I'd find the cure for cancer. Some people, you know, would say, well, I'd, I'd be the prime minister or I'd, I'd, I'd go into politics. If, if, what, would you, what, what would you do for God if you knew you wouldn't fail? Now, it's exploring our passions. Don't, don't get crazy about that. Don't, don't go, it's, it's kind of touching in the realm of kind of fantasy out there. But, but it, what it does, it's a question that helps us tap into the passions that are deep inside of us. It gives us permission to actually draw some of those passions out and, and, and because they are there. They, they are deep inside of us. Our passions. That's the first piece of the jigsaw puzzle. Second piece of the jigsaw puzzle is your personality. 
Personality doesn't so much speak about where we serve, it speaks about how we serve. And there are some basic differences in our personality. If you want to know uh, which one you are, the DISC, just go online and you'll be able to get capital D-I-S-K, we C, sorry, and we use that in, in, our, in our Connect course, so you'll be able to do that actual questionnaire if you do the Connect course. But essentially, there are, there are four kinds of uh, personalities. A better one is Myers-Briggs, but it's actually a bit more complex and, and so on. I'm still old school, and uh, there are four basic personalities. One is choleric. It's the strong, decisive personality, like the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul was, was a cleric. And so, you know, one time the Apostle Paul, he, um, he goes into a situation and he sees Peter. And uh, Peter had been uh, speaking with the Greeks and uh, the Gentiles and he was having a meal with them and so on and so on. And then some Jews came along. Some Jews, you know, who were, you know, uh, uh, they were religious and traditional and so on. And Peter separates himself from the Gentiles because he knew they would criticise him. And he starts hanging out with, uh, with, the Gent- with the Jews, you know. He kind of separates himself from them because he doesn't want to make it look like he's, you know, he's with them. And the Bible, I love the Bible. And it says, Paul, he, he, he stood up and he gave it to Peter in front of everybody. That's what a cleric person is, Donald Trump kind of person, you know. How many of those do we have right here? Mm, God bless you. Amen. <laughs> Second one is a sanguine. Sanguine is, um, is the kind of person that uh, lives the life of the party. They, they always got to be, be around people and do stuff. And um, uh, Someone like Peter was, was a sanguine. Peter, Peter spoke first and then thought later. You know what I'm trying to say? He's the kind of person that said stuff and, and then thought, mm, maybe I shouldn't have said that. That was Peter. And, uh, you know, one time Jesus said, I've got to go to the cross and I'm going to die, etc., etc. Peter pulls Jesus aside and he starts to tell him off. Peter tells Jesus off. You know, and then Peter and then Jesus says to him, "Get thee behind me, Satan! For you're a stumbling block to me. Uh, if you don't have mind the things of God, but the things of man." That's a sanguine. The other one is a melancholic. They're the deep kind of people. They're the ones that are, they tend to be the creative types who are just a lot, a lot deeper. And someone like Moses was like that. You know, God, God calls Moses. God call, God speaks to him through a burning bush. He says, "You need to go to and, and lead my people out of Egypt." And Moses says, "I can't do it." I can't speak, I can't do this, I can't do that, I'm not good at this, I'm not good at that. Five times he's, he says to God from a burning bush, I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't. Melancholics tend to be much more negative and, and so on, but they're also creative and make some of the best leaders and et cetera, et cetera. Um, it's, an, it's another personality type. And then there's the phlegmatic, easygoing kind of person and, uh, you know, kind of prefer to follow than to lead. Don't, I don't want to lead. Don't, don't, I hate leading. Just tell me what I need to do and I'll do it. As that's Abraham. Abraham was a bit of a phlegmatic. You know, Sarah comes up to him and he says, listen, we're not kind of kids. I know we got the promise, but why don't you sleep with my servant and then we'll sort that out. And Abraham, yeah, sounds like a great idea. And just goes along without thinking about the consequences of what that might be. Phlegmatic. Each personality has strengths and weaknesses. It's not this one is good and this one is bad. Each one is good and has their place. And no one usually has just one of those. You usually have a combination of two or three. A lot of you have done some work on this. Our personality is like wearing glasses. They help us interpret our, our environment. And each personality has their place. We need to understand a couple of things about personality. Personality is not the same as character. Personality is God-given. Character is something we develop. 
Character is something we develop. Personality is not the same as calling. Calling is expressed through our personality. We have leaders with all kinds of personalities and they will lead differently. Now, this is really, it's a powerful thought, this one here about personality. Don't just, don't just, dis- oh yeah, I know what you're talking about. Don't just dismiss this. If we understand the strengths and weaknesses of our personalities, it's going to help us in our marriage. It's going to help us raise our children. It's going to help us in a team environment that we're working in. If you have if you have your spouse, which is a completely different personality to your own, and that's what generally happens, you know, you've got, you know, opposites attract, you know, um, and that can happen. And, but, but they also can have some challenges because the opposites are coming at a situation from completely different perspectives. And so an understanding of personality is very powerful. Third piece of the puzzle is our spiritual gifts. Bible says now about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. I don't want you to be ignorant, says one translation. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit has been given for the common good. Paul says to the Ephesians, and he himself gave some to be apostles and some to be prophets and some to be pastors and teachers. The question is, what has he given you? Or maybe you don't have any gifts. Maybe you missed out. Maybe they ran out of gifts on the day you were born. He says, sorry, we just ran out of gifts. Um, if we want to understand our gifts, we need to ask ourselves the question, what do I enjoy doing? What comes easy? What do I seem to do well? What have I done well in the past? Um, what is it that when I do this, it actually makes a difference? People come up to me and they say, hey, that was, that was done really, really well. Some people say, I'm called to be a leader. How do you know if you're a leader? Just turn around and just check if anyone's following it's usually a pretty good way to find out if you're a leader. You can print up a business card that says you're a leader. That doesn't make you a leader. Leadership is about influence. And, you know, when you're a leader, people will follow even before they see you as a leader. If you're not sure about your gifts, then ask the people around you because sometimes they can see the gifts more in us than we can see in ourselves. Why would God give us gifts and then not ask us to use them? And again, there are some great questionnaires that you can do there. And if you do the Connect course, they'll do one in in that. They'll explore some of the spiritual gifts. Fourth piece of the puzzle is not so much about spiritual gifts, but natural abilities. Some people are great organizers. Some people are great teachers, thinkers. Some people are good with words, good with their hands. Some people are perfectionists, and some people aren't. Um, And the list goes on and on. What is it that you're good at? Now, some people make a distinction between spiritual gifts and natural abilities, the reality is there's no distinction between, between, as far as I'm concerned, there's no distinction between those two because they're both given by God. Spiritual gifts are given by God. Natural abilities are given by God. In fact, there's a great in the, uh, example in the Bible about this. Uh, did you know the first time the Holy Spirit is mentioned in the Bible? Sorry, it's probably the second time. Um, it's in, in relation to gifts God had given to people to do work with their hands. The first time the Holy Spirit was mentioned in the Bible, second actually, is, uh, is a time when, when God gave gifts to the people to do work with their hands. This is what the Bible says in Exodus. See, I have chosen Bezaliel, son of Uri, the son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah, and I have, listen carefully, I have filled him with the Spirit of God, with wisdom, with understanding, with knowledge, and with all kinds of skills to make artistic designs for work in gold, 
silver and bronze, to cut and set stones, to work in wood, and to engage all kinds of cross. Notice the words in the text. I want you to, I want you to grab a hold of some of these words. I have chosen Bezalel. <laughs> I have filled him with the Spirit of God, with wisdom, knowledge, and with all kinds of skills. I, I, I want us to take that as, as, a, as a scripture for our own lives. Come on, church. I want us to grab a hold of that scripture. And I want you to know that God has chosen you. I want you to know that God has his hand upon your life. He has filled you with the Spirit of God, given you wisdom and understanding and knowledge and given you all kinds of skills to serve his purpose. Can I hear an amen? Now the problem with us is we're usually not happy with the skills that God has given us. We look over the fence and we say, no, I wish I had those skills. Or I wish I had the other skills. And we spend our whole life comparing ourselves with everyone around us and we never discover what God has deposited in our hearts and lives. If you want us to discover your calling, stop looking over the fence and see what God has given you. Because he's chosen you. He's filled you with the spirit of God. He's given you wisdom, knowledge, and all kinds of skills. Some of us need to get a hold of this verse. And we, we, need, to, we need to stick this on. There are, there, there are some of us, and I know because I go through some of those times where I think, God, I, I'm, just, I'm, I, God I'm just useless. I, I don't know why you could. I just don't think I could contribute to anything. There are some of you in church, you, you, kind of, you kind of look confident, but deep down inside of your heart, you don't have any confidence at all. Like Moses, you're saying, I can't do this. There's no way that I don't have the skills or the abilities to do this. There, there are some of you that have a mindset. The enemy has convinced you or people in your environment have said so many times to you, you're not good at anything. You're never going to amount to anything. Some of you have believed that lie. And I pray the Holy Spirit would speak to all of us today, that we would get, that we would get a, 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 a handle on this scripture, that, we would, that the scripture would come alive in our Some of us need to grab this scripture, put it on our fridge, put it in our room, and read it every single day. I have chosen you. I have filled you with the Spirit of God, with wisdom and knowledge, and with all kinds of skills. Some of us need to start to tell ourselves, Pastor John, I don't feel like that. Some of us need to start to tell ourselves, I am chosen by God. I am filled with the Holy Spirit. I have the wisdom of God and the knowledge of God. And God has blessed me with a whole bunch of abilities. And we need to keep telling ourselves until it becomes a revelation in our hearts and lives. Number five is a measure of faith. For I say through the grace given to me that everyone is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. I love that. The word there is the word metron in the Greek, and God has given each one of us a measure of faith. Metron is about the boundary which God has set for our lives. If we want to work within the, if we live and work within the boundaries God has set for us, we will enjoy the favor of God, be effective and won't strive. But if we start to work outside of our metron, we will experience stress, anxiety. It's difficult. It's challenging. We get into all kinds of troubles. We know when we're young, we want to dream. We dream big. Got to be big. Got to be big. Which is great. But is that what God has called us to be? We need to, we need to pray, God, I want, I, want to, I want to stay within the boundaries that you've given me. How do you know when you've reached the boundary of your metron? Well, your body will start talking to you. 
How many people know that our bodies can start talking to us? When, when we're stressed, our bodies start to, you know, I know there's been times when I've been quite stressed. I, I start to get a twitch in my eye. I don't know if anybody else. I get this little twitch in my eye. It's like going like this. It's a bit awkward because you, you know. Um, but, I, but my body is speaking to me and saying, Joe, what's going on here? Because something's going on. If you're married, if you, your spouse will tell you that you've, you know, you're overdoing it. You start to struggle, you're stressed, you're sick, you're not enjoying life anymore. You start to think, what is this all about? And so on. Most of all, if you're close to God, the Holy Spirit will tell you when you step outside of your metro. Next piece of the puzzle is calling. Calling goes beyond gifting and abilities and spiritual gifts. It's about being in the place that God has called you to be. The Bible says of Paul, Paul called to be an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God. Calling has to do with being in the will of God. Lord, if your presence doesn't go with me, do not send me up from here. I want to be exactly where God has called me. I want to use my passions, my spiritual gifts, natural abilities in the place where God has called me to be, in the will of God. Number seven is life experiences. Life experiences, both positive and negative, can reveal our purpose. Paul says to the Corinthians, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who, can, who comforts us in all our troubles, so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from the Lord. If I'm going through something, I want to be encouraged by someone who's already gone through it. A few weeks ago, some of you know I had COVID. And, you know, immediately I want to talk to people that have had COVID. What are you saying? What did you go through? I don't want to talk to someone who's not had COVID. <laughs> They're going, to, they're going to give me the Google you know, list of what to do. I don't want to talk to you. I want to talk to someone who's been there, done that, got the T-shirt, et cetera, et cetera. Got the rat test to prove that they've had COVID. Sometimes our experiences in life give us some insight to our calling. Some of us despise some of the experiences we go th- we've been through, but maybe they are actually where the call of God is in our lives. Final piece of the puzzle is Grace. Grace is the ability to do things you could never do on your own. The Bible speaks about saving grace and then there's enabling grace. The Bible says in Acts, and with great power, the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and great grace was upon them all. What is the grace that's on your life? You know, churches can have a grace. This is a, there's a grace on this church, um, reaching people from all over, uh, you know, in international churches, reaching people from all different cultural backgrounds. Movements can have grace, like the Salvation Army, reaching, reaching those in the community. That's, 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 a, that's a grace on them. Families can have grace. Individuals can have grace. It's the ability to do things we can never do on our own. Eight pieces of the puzzle. Jesus said it was for this reason that I came. How do, you, how do we discover our own for this reason? How do we come to know our calling? Well, I believe one of the things that helps us understand our purpose is to know ourselves, to have insight, the ability to look inside of ourselves and see how God has wired us up. As we flow with the passions, the personality, the spiritual gifts, natural abilities, the metron calling life experiences and grace, as we flow with the way that God has wired us up, we start to understand the purpose of God for our lives. One caution and I'm going to finish here. And next week, I'm going to speak a little bit more about this. But there are some of you who are saying, Pastor Joe, your message has blessed me and touched me today. You see, I'm on the cleaning team. And I don't have the passion for it, the spiritual gifts for it. 
the ability, I'm not a good cleaner, the calling, the grace to clean the church. And I just don't know what to do, Pastor Joe. Just, let me help you. I tried that line of reasoning at home. It didn't go well with me. It didn't go very well at all. There's a difference between tasks that, most, that, that must be done and there are tasks that we are called to do. All of us need to do both. That's what it means to be a servant. We'll look at that a bit more next week. You know, the greatest thing that would bless me as a pastor is to see each individual's person start to step into the call of God on your life. You are not an accident. I don't care what you think about yourself. I don't care what you've convinced yourself about. It's a lie. You are called by God. God has a plan and a purpose for your life. You are created for such a time as this. Imagine if each of us starts to step into the call of God that's on our lives. It'd be amazing. It would be amazing. And I want to encourage you over the next three weeks to talk about this a little bit more. And, and my, my prayer is, you know, if the call of God is there for us, that, that we would all take one step closer to what that calling looks like and be everything that God has called us to be. Because when you, when you start to operate in the call of God upon your life, you start to experience life. When Jesus said, I've come to give life and life in abundance, that's what it's about. You start to, you feel like, man, this is what I was created to do. And it's powerful. It changes our life. And you can, you can step into your calling from right now. You can start to say, okay, God, I'm, what am I doing? I'm doing X, Y, Z, and so on. And I'm going to start to see that as my calling instead of just my job or just my role or whatever it is. I'm going to start to see, I'm going to start to see that as my calling. And God, I just thank you for what, you're going to do, what, what you've done, where you've placed me, use me for your glory. Will you stand with me? Father, I just thank you for your word. And I thank you for this amazing group of people of God that you, you've called not just to exist, just to go through the motions of life, to have an earthly mindset. You've called them for such a time as this to have an eternal impact. I just pray for each, each person in Jesus' name that you would begin to release the gifts, that as they, as they pursue that call, as they go home and reflect on this message and start to say, God, use me. Lord, do something with my life. Lord, I want to step into the call of God. Father, that as they begin to pray, seek after that, Lord God, that you're going to start to speak to them. You're going to start to give people pictures of the kinds of things that you would like to do in and through their lives, Lord God. Father, we don't want to just exist. We want to step into the call of God that's on our lives. Use us for your glory. Let us be the hands and the feet of Jesus. Let us be the mouthpiece of Jesus Christ, I pray. And I thank you for what you're going to do. And we ask it in Jesus' glorious name. And all God's people said, God bless you. Have a great Sunday and week in Jesus' name.